Well, welcome to New City. Uh, if we haven't met, my name is Keith Watson, and uh, I am the lead pastor. And I brought my glasses up here, and I shouldn't have because I can't see with them on. Um, yeah, I know, isn't that crazy? Um, let me share just a few announcements with you this morning as they are making their way out. Um, we have a, a youth. If you haven't met Jalen, he is our new um, next-gen director, and uh, we have a youth parent meeting coming up on October 22nd. Uh, that's for 6th through 12th graders. Look for information there. Uh, we'll get that out to all of you parents, but looking forward to that and Jalen getting going in that role as well. Uh, don't forget our chili cook-off is coming up on November the 4th, and uh, if, if you have not signed up for that, family, sign up. Let us know that you're coming and what you're bringing so that we can be prepared for that. That is always a lot of fun. We have a chili competition if you've never been a part of that. Uh, we have smoked meat competition. It's not really much of a competition because I am smoking meat, and so I'm not sure how that will go. But I, I would like to encourage you guys to at least give it an effort. Um, we have games for uh, kids. We have inflatables. We have everything that you want football games on. It will be a whole lot of fun. So come. Make sure that's on your calendar Saturday, November the 4th. Um, there are other dates here, and um, I will tell you, we are on the ever-changing um, timeline of finishing up the new building. Uh, and all I can say is help us, help us get the grounds ready. We will have a date as soon as I can get it to you, I will, on uh, cleaning up the building, on moving our stuff into the building, uh, putting things together to go in the building, all of that stuff, and we will need help with all of that stuff. So um, try to be flexible with us and help where you are able. Very thankful for everybody that came out and helped yesterday. We got a ton of work done on the grounds, and it is really starting to look nice out there. Uh, so thank you very much. Uh, visitors, if you are here and you have never uh, stopped by our um, Connect desk and met one of our Connect team members, we would love for you to do that before you leave uh, this afternoon. Meet them. We have a, an info card. We'd love to get a little bit of information from you in exchange for that. We have have a, a gift for you. Um, it is either the world's greatest coffee mug, it will make all of your dreams come true, I've heard, or uh, the world's best tote bag, uh, I think is what it is. New City logo on both of those. We would love to send you home with that, even if you will not be coming back to New City, uh, just so that when you see that or use it, you'd remember us and you could pray for us. So, if you've never filled out one of those cards, stop by, meet our Connect team, and do that um, this afternoon. Okay, so we are in, I think it's week, uh, week six of our series on Everyday Jesus. And what we've been doing in this series is looking at the everyday life of Jesus. So if you're visiting with us, we talk a lot about our identities. One of our identities when we become followers of Christ, we, we aren't just saved for heaven one day, but as the apostle 
Apostle Paul tells us we are completely changed and made new creations, new creatures. We have new identities. We are sons and daughters of the King. We are also ambassadors for Christ. And God has called us to, Jesus has called us to, this great new mission, right? It's the same mission that he was on, seeing the world of broken and fallen people, forgiven of sin, reconciled to the Father, where one day we will spend forevermore with him. So we are all missionaries. We are missionaries. We're not just people waiting for heaven, but this new identity for us is that we are missionaries. And so what we've been doing as we talk about being missionaries, that's kind of a weird thing for most of us to think about our life as missionaries because we've always thought about missionaries as just the people who go to faraway places. So we've been looking at the life of Jesus and seeing how Jesus was on mission in the everyday. Right? That's why we call it Everyday Jesus. Looking at glimpses of the life of Jesus so that we can learn from him how in the normal rhythms and routines of his life, Jesus was on mission. Our hope is to learn from him so that we can be better missionaries as we have been called to be. So we've seen in this series, for example, that Jesus celebrated with friends. Um, at, at a wedding in Cana, Jesus celebrated with friends. He also used that as an opportunity opportunity for mission. Jesus was on mission often around meals. Meals weren't something that he just did. Jesus was intentional about his time of eating as well, often inviting sinners and those who were far from God. Sinners and tax collectors is the way they are often described in the New Testament, but inviting them, sharing a meal with them, pointing them to restoration with the Father. Last week, we saw that even, even thirst and a trip to the well for water was an opportunity for Jesus to be on mission. Jesus was always on mission, and that is the same for us as well. We are missionaries all the time as we go about our lives. This week, we're in Matthew chapter 12. If you have a Bible and want to turn there, Matthew chapter 12, we're going to look at verses 9 through 14. And here, I've been looking forward to this one, what we see is that Jesus went to church. Jesus went to church, and even that was an opportunity for mission for him. So I want to pray for us. I want to pray for us now, and I want to ask, as I do when I get to ask you this question, you, you guys, would you pray with me? Like, I don't mean listen to me pray and just agree. I mean, would you pray also? Pray at the same time for the people around you. Pray for yourself that the Lord would, would speak to you today and shape you uh, into the image of Jesus that you're meant to be. Pray that for me. <laughs> that, that he would shape me into the image of Jesus as well. Would you all pray that with me? Good. Let's pray together. Father, thank you. Thank you for these families. Thank you for our afternoon together already. Um, now I pray that you would use this, just this glimpse of Jesus' life, to shape us more and more into his image, to help us to be the missionaries that we are. It's not just that you've called us to be missionaries and that is optional. We are ambassadors for Christ. That is who we are. So help us to be better ambassadors. Teach us, encourage us, help us today and in the days to come. Thank you. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for your graciousness toward us. Thank you most of all for Jesus, the whole reason that we, we are on this great mission. We are on this mission because of Jesus 
And the mission is about the great news that we have. Help us. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. All right, so Matthew uh, chapter 12, let's look at these verses together, uh, beginning in verse 9. He went on talking about Jesus from there and entered their synagogue. And a man was there with a withered hand, and they asked him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? So they might accuse him. He said to them, which of you who has a sheep, if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not take hold of it and lift it out? Of how much more value is a man than a sheep? So it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And the man stretched it out, and it was restored, healthy like the other. But the Pharisees went out and conspired against him how to destroy him. All right, so I know my title this week is Jesus Went to Church, but really for Jesus uh, and his disciples, the culture that they were in, it was the synagogue, the synagogue. So let's talk about the synagogue a little bit and, and what that was for Jesus and the Jewish culture. Getting ready for this week, I, I read an article uh, from someone named Taylor Halverson, just want to give credit where that is due. It was a very helpful article studying the synagogue, so I just want to share a little bit so we get a clear idea of the synagogue. Um, the synagogue was different from the temple. The temple was in Jerusalem. It was the center of worship for God's people. It's where they went to make sacrifices uh, at the temple. Worship occurred at the temple, obviously, um, and it was in the temple that God's Spirit dwelt dwelt with his people, the Holy Spirit dwelt in the Holy of Holies with God's people. Now, the synagogue was very different from the temple. The, the synagogues were much smaller, and, and um, they served in a much different way. Uh, they were found in multiple locations where the temple was just in Jerusalem. Synagogues were found in many locations. Some cities, like larger cities, would have multiple synagogues. We have seen from reading the New Testament and, and from studying history as well, but we know because, or we should, we've seen enough in the New Testament about going to the synagogue, that when, when they went to the synagogue, it was a place for um, the religious leaders to, to teach the community. They would teach the community the law and the prophets from the Old Testament. They would read the Scriptures, read the Scriptures together, and then someone would explain the Scripture to them. In Luke 4, when Jesus was kicking off his ministry, his public ministry, um, he did that going to the synagogue. Let me read these verses. Luke chapter 4, beginning in verse 16. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and he was, as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight. Uh, where am I? Those who, uh, recovering of sight to the blind. Sorry about that, folks. To set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. 
This was Jesus kicking off his ministry, and Jesus reads this portion of Scripture that was about the promised one, the Redeemer who was to come. Jesus reads it. He sits down. Everybody is looking to him, waiting for an explanation of the Scripture, and Jesus says, that's me. I am the one. I am the one that Isaiah prophesied of. I have come to proclaim liberty to the captives. I've come to give sight to the blind, to free the oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus was um, giving them the good news, right? That's what he was doing. He was saying, the time has come. The kingdom is at hand. I am the promised king. He was proclaiming the good news in the synagogue that day, right? So as we probably already knew, in the synagogue, teaching of Scripture happened. We see it as Jesus is kicking off his ministry. They also did singing. Congregational singing took place in the synagogue, probably singing psalms and and hymns of old together. There was also prayer that took place in the synagogue. But what we might not know about the synagogue is that it also served as a sort of community center for the communities that it was in. According to Halverson, the article that I had read, the synagogue was not only a place to gather to meet spiritual needs, which which we knew about, but also it was a place to meet the community's physical needs. For example, the synagogues were built with dining facilities. Not, not for fellowship of the rich, but so that whoever had need in the community could come and have a place to eat. There were water facilities so that people could be taken care of. They were built with a space, with spaces in them that could accommodate travelers on their way passing through. Many of them even had short-term shared housing facilities for those who were without a place to live. The evidence from archaeology seems to show us that the synagogue was a place where those in the community who had needs could come to receive care. And it was a place where the community itself cared for those who were in need. So the community of believers, God followers, would go there knowing that the community in need would be there, and it was a place where where care was given and care could be received. Not only spiritual care, but physical care as well. And why does this matter for our text? Why am I going on and on about the synagogue? This is exactly where a a person in need would be likely to go. They were there that day when Jesus was there, just like all the other times. They They were there to be cared for because that's what happened in the synagogue. They were there to be cared for. They were there because they had needs. They had come to the synagogue as a a place where they could receive help. They had come, listen to me, expecting. They came to the synagogue with an expectation that they would be met by the community at the synagogue and they would receive the care that they needed. They came expecting and, and hoping to receive that care. So let me, let me read the passage again with that in mind and, and pay attention now to, to Jesus in the synagogue. Again, Matthew 12, verse 9. He went on from there and he entered their synagogue. 
And a man was there with a withered hand, and they asked him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? They did that so they might accuse him. He said to them, which one of you who has a sheep, if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not take hold of it and lift it out? Of how much more value is a man than a sheep? So it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And the man stretched it out, and it was restored healthy like the other. But the Pharisees went out and conspired against him how to destroy him. Let me, let me first address what is glaring. Jesus healed a man on the Sabbath, and that was against the rules of the Pharisees and the religious leaders. Now, I want to be clear, it wasn't against God's law. This wasn't God's law that Jesus was breaking because Jesus never broke any of God's laws. He lived perfectly holy and righteous, perfectly obedient to the Father. No, no, this was a rule that the Pharisees and, and other religious leaders had put in place. See, God in the law said to set the Sabbath aside, to keep it holy, to make it a time when you could rest and worship Him. And the religious leaders then added rules to say, here is what it means to not work. Here is what it means for you to rest. So they came up with a list of things to say, here's what God meant when he said you should not work on the Sabbath, but rest and keep it holy. And so then they used this list of things as a, as a list that they could, by which they could judge and condemn. And as we see here, even trap other people pointing to their sins. That's what they were doing, right, with Jesus. Jesus points out the hypocrisy and he points out their cold-heartedness. When he asked them, which of you having a sheep that fall, had fallen into a pit on the Sabbath would not reach in to rescue that sheep? Which of you would not do that in order to save the sheep? And then he said, is your sheep more valuable than this broken and hurting man created in the image of God himself? Jesus healed the man. And the Pharisees were furious. But I want us to see something else here, right? That's, that's what's happening on the surface. I want us to see something else here. Jesus went to the synagogue that day to do the things that happened in the synagogue just as he did every time that he went to the synagogue. From the time of his birth to this day, Jesus went to the synagogue. And Jesus went to the synagogue to do all the things that we've already take, talked about that take place in the synagogue. Jesus was going to church again. He went to hear the word of God and, and to have it explained. He went to participate in that, not to just teach it, but to hear the word of God from others. He went to sing. He went to sing with the congregation. He went, I am sure, to sing the praises of his father, to sing the Psalms of David with the community of God followers there. Jesus went to the synagogue and he gathered with this community for worship. But he did more than that. He went with his eyes open to the needs of those who were gathering with him. Now, I want you to think about that. 
Jesus went to the synagogue just as he had always gone to the synagogue, and Jesus went to the synagogue to do all the things that he usually did at the synagogue, the things that he had done since he was born at the synagogue. Those things always happen. Jesus went, but he went with his eyes open to the other people who were there. Eyes open to the needs of those who were gathering with him. Even though on this day it, it was the Pharisees who were attempting to trap Jesus, still Jesus saw. Jesus saw the man who was there. He saw the man's need. He saw the man's hurt. He saw the man's brokenness. This wasn't just another person in the synagogue. It wasn't someone for Jesus to sidestep so that he could, could get to his seat or, or, or go around so that he could talk with someone else that he knew. Jesus saw the man, a, a, a person, someone, a person who was created in the image of God. Jesus saw an Im image bearer who had come that day seeking. Jesus saw him, and Jesus met his need. So that's what happened that day in the synagogue. Now let's shift gears a little bit from the synagogue to the church. The synagogue to, we'll start with the early church, the synagogue and the early church. This text tells us that it was on the Sabbath that, that this occurred, the day set aside for worship and rest. With the new church, at some point, um, the, the Sabbath shifted from Saturday to Sunday, Sunday being the day of the Lord's resurrection, a day of celebrating Jesus, who he is and all that he's done for us in saving us. Still, it, it was Sunday was the Sabbath day, a day of rest and a day of worship. It was in the first church, it, it was a, a, one of the primary days that the church gathered together with other believers. We see again and again in the book of Acts that the apostle Paul and the other apostles and church members would go to the synagogue and they would gather together there just like Jesus did to worship. The church gathering was, was at least in, in part patterned after what took place in the synagogue. The community of believers gathered together, and when they gathered together, they gathered together to hear the Word of God and to have the Word of God explained. They came to learn more about who God was and what God had done. This was happening in the early church just like it did in the synagogue. They came to learn more about who they were and, and, and who they should be. They worshiped God. They worshiped God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They sang songs together, old songs and new songs, songs of, of praise, songs of remembering the great and gracious works of God. And they remembered especially all that God had done in Jesus we see that throughout the New Testament, remembering the good news of the gospel, remembering, remembering how the Father in Christ through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, how the Father was seeking to reconcile lost sinners who were far from him. They remembered how it was through faith in Christ that their sins were forgiven and they were made children of the Most High God. They remembered and they celebrated week after week after week 
the gospel of Jesus Christ. They gathered together and they heard the word and they talked about the gospel and they served one another and they sang songs and they prayed together. And listen to me, where there was need, they met it. Much as things took place in the synagogue. So what about us? What about the church today? What about, what about us? We're talking about being missionaries. What, what about us going to church as missionaries? I read verses from Luke 4 earlier, and I want to read them again. As Jesus was starting his ministry, he, he quoted from Isaiah 61, beginning in verse 18 of Luke 4. For the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, Jesus said, because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down, and the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. The king had come to free his people from bondage. The king had come to right all of the wrongs and to fix the brokenness. He had come and was proclaiming that he was there to heal and to help. His proclamation, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. That was, that was him declaring, I am the king and the king has come. He was proclaiming the good news. Now listen to me, when he healed the man with the withered hand that day, he was not only proclaiming the same through his actions, but, but he was demonstrating demonstrating that not only was he the promised king who was the Lord of the Sabbath and able to heal, but that he was, he, he, was, he, he was demonstrating what the kingdom of God would look like, that in the kingdom of God we would care for one another, that in the kingdom of God there is no more brokenness, there, there will be one day no more sickness and no more pain. Brokenness is fixed. The brokenhearted are mended. In the synagogue, he not only worshiped the Father, but, but he saw the needs of others. And ultimately, he, did, he, he reached out to them to, to meet their needs. Ultimately, ultimately, it was to see them redeemed from sin and forgiven and brought to the Father. Now listen to me. Every week at New City Church, you have the same opportunity. Every, listen to me, missionaries. Every week, family, that we gather together as the body of Christ, you have the same opportunity. Too often we, 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 come, we come to this gathering, right? Like Jesus went to the synagogue, like the first, the first church often gathered in homes. Too often we come to the gathering with only one person in mind, me. Me. Maybe, 
maybe, maybe on, on good days it is me and God. I don't want to be too hard this, this afternoon. M- maybe, maybe, maybe sometimes it is to genuinely worship. We, we come to gather so that we can genu- genuinely worship. But I think that I can safely say this more often than not for most of us, we do not come as missionaries. We don't see the needs of others. We walk right past the man with the withered hand. We are, we are too late and in too big of a hurry to see the brokenhearted. And I, I say this with some hesitation today. I mean that, y'all. New City, you are amazing people. And, and, and even before I came in here, somebody asked me how I was doing. I said, I'm not doing real well. And they said, let's pray. Right, so I, 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 don't, I don't say it like, like it never happens here. You are, you are great people. And, man, when it comes to serving, I, I've never been in a church who serves better than New City Church serves. You, you are absolutely incredible. Our volunteer list is long. I would guess that more than 80% of our, our New City partners serve regularly on a Sunday. But in this rhythm, there is more than monthly serving. There are people like the man with the withered hand that we never see. Sometimes it's our own people who come in heavy laden and weary and we miss it. Could we... Could, could we see more clearly as Jesus did? I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm asking. I guess I'm pleading, myself included. Could we see more clearly as Jesus did? Could we, could we be more aware and more intentional of the people created in the image of God, image bearers around us who, who are walking in brokenness? Could we pull them to, a side, to the side, as someone did for me tonight, to pray for them? Could, could, could we in their, in their hurt and their, their, their doubt and in their time of need, could we meet them there? Could we, could we help them and remind them of the good news of Jesus? And, and listen, New City folks, you will hear me say this often. It's going to be real awkward if you're visiting today, as if it already isn't. God has blessed us, family. And every single week we have visitors at New City. Every week. I am telling you that doesn't happen at every church. Every single week we have visitors who come to New City people who are not a part of our, our regular gathering and our family, they come, listen to me, seeking. That's why they're here. 
they come, they come with some need. And, and they are looking like the man with the withered hand for a community that will help them in whatever that need is. They come hoping to be seen, to be loved. They need a place to belong. Some of them need a place to rest, to be healed. They need to be with a people to worship God. They need to be in a place where they can hear the word of God. They, they need to sing and praise the king with others who sing and praise the king. Maybe, maybe they, they couldn't even verbalize why they are coming. Maybe they don't even know what it is that they are seeking. But, but I can promise you this. They come expecting you. You. They come expecting you, the missionary, to greet them warmly. To welcome them like family. They, they, they expect you to speak to them. They do, I promise. They expect you to say hello. They expect you to introduce yourself, even though they'll never remember your name. That they expect you to smile and they expect you to, to shake their hand. They come expectant. They expect you, when we talk about missional communities, they expect someone to invite them to their missional community. They hope that someone will see them, introduce themselves, say, I'm glad that you are here today. Can I help you with anything? Do you need anything? I hope you come back. They would never say it this way, but here is the truth. They, they would never say it this way, but they come expecting to see the king and his kingdom. That is the reality, whether they know that or not. They, they come expecting to see the king and his kingdom. And you, even on Sunday when we are gathered together, maybe especially on Sunday when we go to church, you are his ambassador you are his ambassador, his representative, the representative of the king here. I'm looking for the king. You are a picture of the king. And we are gathered together as the kingdom present. Right, so, so here is my question for you. When visitors come, when the, when the man with the withered hand is here and they, they come seeking, seeking whatever it is that they are seeking, spiritual help, a place to belong, a community, a family, when they come expectant to see the king and his kingdom, when they come, is that what they see? Let me be more pointed, ambassadors. Is that what they see in you? Is that what they see in you? 
See, this is what it means to be a missionary in the everyday. This is what it means when we talk at New City about as you go, you guys go to church. That's where you are. This is what it looks like. Jesus is showing us what it looks like to be on mission as you go, even to church. Jesus went to church, a missionary. So should we. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you were patient with me, that you were gracious. Thank you for Jesus. The perfect missionary who always saw and even now who sees. I am thankful as well, Father, that you are not dependent on me but you are quite capable of caring for others. When I come with only one person in mind, Father, I want to do better. And I want to be more like Jesus. And I want to be a part of a church filled with people who are like Jesus. We want to be ambassadors. We want to be good ambassadors. Holy Spirit, would you help us? In Jesus' name, amen.